Now, the way I look at our Christmas Eve service is that it's a quiet, contemplative service. Many of our larger celebrations have already gone by. Our great Sunday morning service before Christmas, our lessons and carols. And here we are on the night before Christmas, and we quiet our minds and quiet our hearts and think briefly once again about the Savior's birth. May the Lord bless the reading and exposition of his word. Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18. This is the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Look with me first at the virgin birth announced. We read in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible affirms the supernatural conception of the Savior by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 reminds us that Jewish engagements were legally binding. Though no sexual relations had taken place, Joseph was considered Mary's husband in a legal sense. Infidelity would have been considered adultery. When Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, he assumes the worst, that she has been unfaithful to him and to their engagement. Joseph loved God and he loved Mary and he did not want to put her through a period of public shame, and so he wishes to dissolve the union quietly. And it's in that context that the amazing announcement of the angel comes to Joseph. As we read in verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." That is the announcement. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will be called the son of David because God is about to send his son of David's line, the king. He is to continue on with his wife, go on with the marriage, because she is innocent of any wrongdoing. The name of the child is given by God, Jesus, that means Savior, 
For as we read in Psalm 3.8, salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing be on your people, and now God is blessing his people by sending the Savior. And for Joseph to call his name means to accept him, that Jesus accepts him as adopted father. What condescension that the eternal son of God, the second person of the Trinity, now condescends and now he has an adoptive father. That's the announcement. But then look secondly at the virgin birth fulfilled. For we read in verses 22 and 23, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He quotes from Isaiah 7.14. An ancient, ancient 8th century B.C. prophet had prophesied in advance the birth of the Savior. In that passage, Jehovah offers King Ahaz a sign, but Ahaz does not want the Lord interfering with his military alliance. And so God bypasses him and gives to the house of David a sign to be fulfilled in the distant future. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The Savior is to come, born of a virgin, He will be called God with us, Emmanuel. Isn't this what we saw in that tremendous passage on this last Lord's Day? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God himself, must come. And all of this is fulfilled in the hustle and bustle of real life with a real torment in the soul, and questions of what God is doing and what all of this means. So that we read in verses 24 and following, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And so Joseph trusted God and believed him and obeyed him and reverenced his name. And Joseph's life did not revolve around himself, but around God himself and his promise and his word. And how relieved Mary must have been when her husband betrothed, obeyed God's command and submitted to his promise. And Christ, listen, Christ was born. And God fulfilled his promise Because God always keeps his promises to his people. And Emmanuel came. Elder Steve Sly sent to all of the officers of the church a quotation from Matthew Henry. Here's what it says. By the light of nature we see God as God above us. By the light of the law we see him as God against us. But by the light of the gospel we see him as Emmanuel, God with us in our own nature, and which is more, in our own interest. Herein the Redeemer commends his love. God came down, people of God. The Savior came into the world, people of God. God with us and God for us came down. But thirdly, will you think with me briefly, the virgin birth, its significance. Why is this Significant. Why does this matter on this Christmas Eve? Why will this matter in your life? Professor John Murray helps us to summarize. 
we have a supernatural begetting. Jesus was conceived in the virgin's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is absence of human begetting. The text is very plain. There had been no sexual relations between Joseph and Mary. A supernatural begetting. But also a supernatural person. The supernatural begetting underscores that Jesus is not a mere baby, though he is a true baby, but the eternal Son of God. And so his conception was supernatural through and through. At no time was the supernatural suspended. And then, because he was a supernatural person, because of this supernatural begetting, there was a supernatural preservation. Jesus' birth was preserved from defilement of original sin in which all of us are born. Fallen in Adam, condemned because of his sin and ours, and so he can obey this sinless Son of God. He can obey the law in our place that we broke, and he can go to a cross and he can pay the penalty for our awful sins. And so when I am sometimes asked the question, Is the virgin birth an essential of the faith? Yes, it is. His deity, his humanity, the incarnation, the virgin birth, the sinlessness of Christ, all of this is of a piece. As H.C.G. Mole put it, the virgin birth strikes a deep and holy harmony with the whole truth of the sinless incarnation of God as man. The virgin birth of Christ is the assurance that the Son of God has come into this world and is able to achieve and accomplish what God promised that he would, the removal of our sins. For only a sinless man could do that, and only God could do that, and only God become man could do that. And is this not what we sing every Christmas? Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. But then also, let's think for a few minutes, the virgin-born child, his name. We find that, if you will look back at verse 21, In this command that was given to him by the Lord, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It is a God-given name, and it must be God-given because we cannot set up our own Savior, though we try. It is the name that God gave, which is Jesus The name Jesus is Yahshua, Joshua. Jehovah saves is the meaning of his name. But didn't the Lord tell us in Isaiah 43.11, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior? But that's the point. Jehovah says, apart from me there is no Savior, but this is Jehovah who became a man without ceasing to be Jehovah. Therefore, his name, Jesus, is the name that saves. 
He doesn't just make salvation possible. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He really efficaciously saves his people from our awful sins. And from what does the name, the one named Jesus, save? From our sins. What would Christmas mean if we did not contemplate that we are needy sinners before a holy God fallen in our first parent Adam and that every sin deserved God's infinite displeasure that I deserved hell and could not extricate myself from it nor could I even prepare myself for some savable state I was completely in the hand of a sovereign God in need of his grace so he saves us people of God He saves us from our sin, from the guilt of sin, and from the power of sin. And how does he do this? This Jesus born long ago of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea grew up and he took the sins of his people on himself, bearing the penalty due his people's sins. Because the cradle leads to the cross. My dear lost friend who may be among the people of God in this service tonight. Do you see your need of the Savior? Can you call him from your heart Jesus? Can you say he is my Savior? Can you say my unholy birth needs Jesus' pure birth? Can you see that within your heart and within your soul and within your works, you can produce nothing that would make you acceptable to God, and therefore you need Jesus? And that what we preach this night, and of Him whom we sing this night, this is no myth, this is not simply a pretty story, this is history, this is reality. This is the key to our lives. This is the key to understanding the universe. You need Christ. And he is such a person that your whole life should revolve around him. Your whole universe should revolve around him. Do you know him? Will you trust him to be your Savior and your Lord? This one who is Jesus, the name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Bernard of Clairvaux said, The name of Jesus is honey in the mouth, melody in the ear, and joy in the heart. Do not trust some vague concept of God's mercy. God will be merciful to me because... No, no. God's mercy is found only in one person and in one place. God's mercy is found... Only in Jesus Christ, his cradle, his life, his cross, his resurrection from the dead. Here only is the foundation for hope. And I wish I could preach to the whole world tonight and say to every living human being in the midst of this fallen world and war and rumor of war and all of the depravity that surrounds us, My dear friend, 
There is only one Savior from sin and only one hope for this world, and it's Jesus Christ. And so in this passage, we have two names, don't we? Will you feast on the truths of these names? He is Emmanuel, God with us, the infinite God who came down, the eternal God who became subject to time. And his name is Jesus, which means Savior. Savior because he is Emmanuel. Savior because he came down, down, he came down, infinitely down, to rescue us sinners from the guilt and bondage of sin. A theological professor in Edinburgh came to his car one day and found that he had a flat tire. A homeless man came by and offered to help him change the tire. And as they conversed, he learned the story of this homeless man. This homeless man had had much, but had voluntarily become a homeless man so that he might help the homeless. In a far, far more infinitely profound way, God assumed our nature to save us sinners. And this is the significance of the virgin birth of Christ. And now, Christian people, as we say his name tonight, as we say it in the text, as we say it in our singing, as we say it one to another in our homes, as you read Luke 2 before you open your presence in the morning, and as we say his name, don't forget that he is our great high priest in heaven, and he is saying your name as our advocate before the Father. Jesus, the name that calms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. His name is music in my ear. It is life and health and peace. And God's people said...